Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. The first reading is from Genesis 3, verses 1 through 9. It's a continuation of the creation story. An ancient Jewish scribe describes the event that changes humanity forever. It is the loss of innocence. Note the crafty half-truths that are stated and the strange and unnecessary question. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the servant, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and he hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Now the second reading in the New Testament comes from Romans 5, 1 through 8. Now, Paul is possibly in Corinth writing to a new group he's not familiar with. And they're mostly Gentiles, but there's still some strict maintaining Jewish uh, people in their group, and this creates some confusion and disagreements. In this passage, Paul talks about the fruits of righteousness. Romans 5, 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. May God bless this reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Amen. Will you pray with me this morning? Gracious and almighty God, we come striving to hear your word, to hear your message for us today. And so God, speak. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our souls. Give us the message that you would have for us today. And God, may the words that I speak no longer be my own, but let them be your words for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I have this deep fear of being left behind. Anyone else have this fear of being left behind? Yeah. Maybe, I, maybe it was because uh, when I was about 11 or 12, uh, I was almost left alone with my youngest brother by a Greyhound bus just outside of Omaha, Nebraska. We were a long way from home. The fear of how I would ever make it home, coupled by never having been away from family like this, made this a life-altering moment. I felt alone. I felt abandoned and incredibly desperate. And that was only in the few seconds before I had this out-of-body experience of running out in front of a moving bus to flag the driver down, to stop him from leaving, leaving my younger brother and myself in Omaha, Nebraska. I couldn't see it then, but as I reflect on this, I understand now that I was never alone. Even though I didn't really have this relationship with God at that moment in my life, God was empowering me to care for myself and my little brother by doing something I would never have thought of. God's grace was following me, calling me, and guiding me, even if I didn't know it. Grace. Grace. It's, it's a word we use quite frequently within the Christian faith. We hear about the grace of God, the amazing grace that, that changes us, and the grace that will never leave us in play, or never lead us to places that we don't belong. But 
What actually is grace? What does this word mean? Chuck and I had a little bit of a conversation about that. About this. There's a book called What's So Amazing About Grace uh, by Philip Yancey. Uh, but it comes down to this. It's like, what does this grace mean? What actually is it? And see, grace comes from the Greek word charis. Charis simply means gift. That's it gift. This is the gift that we refer to many times as something that that God gives to us. God in Christ offers us the gift of a relationship that includes salvation, reconciliation, and eternal life. We also have to understand that God's grace is one grace but it has many facets. I just heard yesterday, uh, the way it was explained was, you know, we think about the Trinity and, and the Trinity as being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and, and God's grace is one grace, but yet we talk about it sometimes in different facets, different forms, prevenient grace, justifying grace, and sanctifying grace. We're going to go over some of those as we go through this worship series, but, but for now, let's focus on this prevenient grace. And so let me give you a little more English, or actually probably is in English now that I think about it. The term prevenient comes from Latin, prevenir, or prevenir, which means to come before. To come before. This is the grace that comes before any human decision any decision or endeavor. You see, this is the grace that it has worked before we are even aware of any grace, before we are even aware of God, before we're aware that God loves us. This is the love of God wooing us back into a relationship. Revelation 22 talks about it like a bridegroom courting his bride. Now, I remember when my wife was searching me out in high school, she would try different things to get my attention, in essence, calling out to me, calling out to me in love so that I would notice her and begin this relationship. You see, and also with this grace, God is calling you, calling out to all of you as well. Provenient grace is also the will of God drawing us into that relationship. John 6.44 tells us, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Draws them in. It is the desire of God pursuing us throughout our lives to bring us into a, a friendship with God, a relationship with God, with a love that will never let us go. Even if we continually run away. I've had my share of times that I ran away from God and the calling that God had on my, has on my life, but God, but God never gave up on me. God relentlessly pursued me everywhere I ran to in order to bring me back to him. This is what is told to us through the parable of the shepherd and the leaving the 99 in order to find just the one. That is reckless, but that is God's passion for each and every one of us today. 
That is God's prevenient grace, reaching out and pulling us back to him. See, prevenient grace is also the gift of God, freeing us so that we might have the opportunity to respond to God's grace, to God's offer of a relationship and and to place our trust in Jesus Christ. This is God's love for us, and this is God's grace. 1 John 4.10 tells us, in this love, in In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us. Do you hear the prevenient nature of that love? Not that we loved God, but God loves us. And there is nothing, nothing that we can do that can separate us from that love that God has for us. We hear this in this wonderful passage that I love to read, uh, the passage out of Romans 8. Because it says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written... For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are times that I'm frustrated with Paul's writing, but man, I love that. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. And finally, this grace is the activity of God that is empowering us and strengthening us to enter into this relationship with God. This is all possible because of what God is first doing for us. This is the grace we call provenient, the grace that comes before. We are created in God's likeness for a relationship with the divine. This is clear throughout Scripture. In Genesis, we hear that God created the world, the cosmos, and all things in it. And God said that it was good. And then God created humanity. In God's very image, and declared that humanity was very good. This relationship was designed as deep and meaningful. Maybe we need to hear that again this morning that we are created in God's image, that each and every one of us is a unique and beloved child of God. God created you just the way you are, 
No more, no less. God loves you just the way you are and wants to be in that relationship with you. And because God is love and we are created in this image, we all have the capacity to love and to be loved. I know that there are many things that get in the way of this love and barriers arise through previous relationships, but know this, we love because God first loved us. We love because God first loved us. We are also worthy of love. Accept it. Welcome it. Embrace it. You are loved. You are special. Psalm 139 tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? I mean, get this, because we are created in the image of God, and since God is also spirit, each one of us is a spiritual being. I guess you could say that we're kind of wired for God from the very beginning. It is something that is deep within us. And so I want to show you something here this morning, because this kind of struck me while we were on vacation, and you're going to see these little guys, and you're going to go, wow, those guys are so cute. But there is something that is amazing about them. And as you watch this video, uh, you're going to hear some voices. I mean, there's a lot of voices in the background. You might be able to pick some of them out. But what they're telling is, so basically what it is, there's like five people around this turtle patrol. And they're trying to get these turtles to the ocean. The problem is, is that the turtles have an internal, uh, an internal part of them that is drawn to the light. Sound familiar? drawn to the light. Now, normally they come out of the nest at night, and so they follow the moonlight, which is over the ocean. But this, obviously, when you see the video, is not at night. Uh, And so the sun is up, and they are just drawn to that sun. And so the people on the turtle patrol are yelling at everybody to get in line and to form shade so that they can work their way to the ocean. Uh, And so let let me just show you that. So go ahead and play that clip. Those are uh, loggerhead sea turtles, uh, and they just happen to be. Uh, It just happened to be coming out of the nest. The turtle patrol would pull them out of the nest early in the morning. And the day before, they had released six turtles out of that nest, which was the most that the one gentleman on the turtle patrol had told me that he's seen come out of a nest. Well, this morning, that morning, they actually brought 10 more out of that same nest. So they were incredibly excited about it. But as you know, you notice that they kept turning. They wanted to go towards where the sun was. And so we were trying to block the light and they kept picking them up and moving them back. And they just kept turning and going towards the sun. They're born with this innate peace that says they need to go to the light so that they can go into the ocean. That is stuff that we are also born with this, this prevenient grace. So since we are created in God's image and we have this eternal drive to reconnect with the divine, to look for the light, it's built into us. 
We will never be fully fulfilled until we realize our full potential in God's calling on our lives. We will never be completely happy until this relationship is reconciled and we experience true joy in Jesus Christ. Augustine said this in his uh, Confessions. Our hearts will not find rest until they find rest in thee. Our hearts will not find rest until they rest in thee. The relationship that God desires to have with us is foundational, but we know that this relationship has not always been there, nor has it been primary in our thoughts. This could be considered as sin in our lives, but we need to know that the bad news of human sin is preceded by the good news of our origin in God. The bad news of human sin is preceded by the good news of our origin in God. Adam and Eve made some pretty bad decisions. They plucked the forbidden fruit and and ate from that tree that God told them not to eat from. This cost them the ability to live in the garden, brought disorder to creation. But yet, God provided for them. God made sure they still had what they needed from food to clothing. It may not have been the best, but God still provided. And if we see Adam and Eve as an archetypal story, we can see it as our story. Each of us has made wrong decisions, wrong choices that inevitably separated us from the relationship that we had with God. These even diminish our spiritual lives, but yet God still provides for us. God's love and grace are greater than all of our wrong choices. And I will hold tight to this one. No one, and I mean no one, is beyond the grace of God. I don't care what you've done, what you will do. uh, You will never be beyond the reach of God's grace, of God's love. God will always welcome you home with open arms. God will always be on that front porch or out in the fields or at the coffee shop, at the office, walking the streets, looking for you, searching for you, calling out to you. God's provenient grace is calling out. Love is calling. We heard that in Genesis where God said, where are you? As he walked the garden. Love is calling to offer us a relationship. God has this deep desire, even more so than we do, for this relationship. And this is not just a light thing. It isn't just puppy love or an infatuation. It's a covenant relationship. It's formed in covenant love. That is the strongest form of relationship identified within Scripture. God made covenants with Noah, Abraham, Moses, and the Israelites, and David... These were important. These were life-giving promises made by God within these relationships. And that is the same kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. Oh, that is heavy. Can you imagine? That is the same type of relationship that God wants to have with each and every one of you. Now, the Israelites didn't always get it right. And many times they wandered away from God, but God never left them. That is the covenant. The prophets were there to call out to them, calling them back into this relationship one, and they, they, that they once had. They, 
They speak of the promise of God that God has to make this covenant with his people. This is a new covenant that we find when Jesus appears, offering us this new covenant in relationship with God. It's the covenant of love and grace. This love is divine. It is seeking. It is everlasting. And it is a gift, freely given, not without cost, but free for us to receive. What is truly amazing is that God takes the initiative to seek us out. It's not up to us to seek out God. Ever notice that when you finally come to your senses and you turn around, God is right there. God is calling out to you all of your life. This initiative is experienced as grace, as prevenient grace. This grace helps us to overcome our brokenness and our alienation. So how do you experience God's prevenient grace? How do we know that it's God calling and not some of those inner desires that we have? There are many times that, uh, that people have asked that question, that have asked, how do I know it's God speaking and not my own ambition? God's calling us into this relationship comes through different events, both positive and negative. Maybe a, a Christian concert, a worship service, a weekend retreat, or small group studies are some of the ways that we can encounter the grace of God, but it also comes in day-to-day struggles and celebrations. We can experience it in painful losses of loved ones, jobs, or relationships. We can encounter grace in difficulties, health crises, and frustrations. But this grace also comes in celebrations of new life, reconnecting with old friends, the making of new ones, or just a good cup of coffee and conversation with others. There is no one right place that you experience this grace. It comes all the time. And every place. You see, God is constantly reaching out to us, constantly searching us out, right where we are. God's prevenient grace comes to us through the sacrifice and love of others, those who embody God's love toward us. Have you had that? Somebody's sacrifice and love that they offered to you? It comes through the body of believers. This church, small groups in worship and in prayer and in sacraments. This grace is evident in the Holy Spirit, awakening our conscience and convincing us that we could never earn a spot in God's family. It is a gift. Never forcing us to make decisions, but lovingly encouraging us to choose wisely. To choose to love I guess we need to see that God's grace is all around us. That this prevenient grace, the grace that comes before we even know about it, is God's love which is calling out to us. We hear about it all those times when Jesus was calling out to so many, inviting them into a relationship with him. Do you hear Jesus calling out to you today? Do you feel the prevenient grace of God inviting you back into a relationship with him? Will you pray with me? 
God, we hear about this grace. And sometimes it's a concept that is so difficult to understand. And now even breaking it down even further, we long to know what your gift is for us. This gift of grace. And so God, help us to receive it. Help us to know that it is always there. And that we will always be surrounded by it. God, thank you for speaking to us today. And God, keep speaking in that soft and tender voice. Calling us home. In Jesus' name, amen. So I promised that I would quickly share just a couple of things that people have shared. These 531 moments, see a message here from Kimberly. Uh, She received a Facebook private message from an individual who she had not met, who had heard about and watched uh, my testimony online a few weeks ago and just wanted to thank me for giving her strength. How amazing is that? And Penny says, Norm and I were out of town for a few days last week. The place we stayed had a gazebo out by a pond. And each night they were there. Just beautiful things. Uh, four months ago yesterday, Jenny Graycheck's mom passed away and she wore the locket she had and she felt close to her yesterday. Amen. There are so many others. I encourage you to go and, and read those and, and see where God has been active in all of our lives. But now as we get ready to go forth from this place, I know that we said that we didn't have coffee. Uh, Ted Whittington went out and, and actually bought coffee before service. So if you feel so brave and daring and want to hang around for a, for a cup of coffee, he's got a little container out there for it so we can have a little conversation if you want to. All right, but go, knowing that the love of God and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you. And it goes with you always. Amen.